Managing Marketing, a weekly podcast where we discuss the issues and opportunities facing marketing, media and advertising with industry thought leaders and practitioners. Today, I'm sitting down with John Chan, Managing Director APAC at Burj Farrell International Strategic Brand Design Consultancy. Welcome, John. Thank you, Darren. It's a great pleasure to finally be here. I follow your work quite a lot online and uh, now I'm sitting opposite the legend himself. (laughs) Well, thank you. You're much too kind. But uh, look, uh, you know, this is a terrific opportunity for me because design has always been a passion for me. In fact, I always feel that when you see great design, you have to consciously acknowledge it because often great design just is there without really impacting the thought of how did they get that? Yeah. So, I mean, so... We are in the business of brand design. Um, our two key founders um, and executive creative directors have been disciples of of design for a large portions of, in fact, all of their career. Um, and we certainly feel like the the world of brand design doesn't get enough uh, attention that it deserves for the value that it that it gives to the organisation. Um, and we're on a crusade. We're on a crusade to to build more awareness of brand design and bring up the mastery um, for for this profession. So Birch Farrell actually does, when you talk about brand design, it's all aspects of the brand, isn't it? It's all aspects and expressions of a brand. Absolutely. So we will start right from the beginning where we we call it the the science part of our process, So, which starts with brand strategy. Um, And brand strategy encapsulates everything about the internal workings of your brand. So the narrative, the positioning, the purpose, who you want to be, who you want to talk to, why do you want to talk to them, how do you talk to them. So that's there's a bit of science in that. And that leads then and informs our design process, uh, which is the art part of our process. So that's where visual and corporate identity gets uh, created. And and very often I think, you know, I think market, as marketers we, we're guilty of this sometimes where we use the terms brand and marketing as one homogenous term and we they're like used interchangeably. For us, um, a brand certainly isn't just a logo um, or typography or colours. You know, the analogy I like to use is the is the idea of an iceberg floating in the Antarctic. So typically people will see the top of the iceberg. That's as in the logo and the and the websites, uh, colours, typography, but underneath it there needs to be a solid foundation. It's, in fact, it's the biggest part of the iceberg. It's the part that you don't see. It's the, the emotions and the feelings that you want your customers to have when they touch and experience your brand. But underneath it, that part of the, the work is, is, again, forgotten. It's, mm. it's, so, it's so easy to ignore it because you think you have a, a business plan and therefore you must have a brand plan, but they're not necessarily the same thing. And the value comes from actually doing that foundational work in the beginning. Well, it's interesting because, uh, you know, I've asked a lot of people this, but where do you think the brand resides? Uh, so what, what, do you, what do you mean? Where, brand where does the brand exist? Because, yeah, a lot yep. of people say to me, oh, it's the yep. intellectual property of yep. the logo type yep. Yep. is the brand. But yep. for you, yep. where does the uh, brand 
reside or exist? So, I mean, it's certainly in the minds of, of your customers, you know, so. Bingo, it's, it's, that's the answer. Uh, and it's, and it's, and it's, again, it's the piece that's not understood, you know, so, and I, to go back to my point about how we have marketing and, and brand and we use them interchangeably. Marketing really is the sum total of the, all the activities and tactics and strategies you employ mm. to get people to say what you want them to say. Mm. And brand is the sum total of all these experiences and activities that you do in the market to get them to play back what you've conceptualized and want them to be. Yeah, John, it drives me crazy when I read these articles that go, brand management's dead. No, it's not. We need brand management yeah. more than ever before yeah. because brand management's not about managing intellectual property or yeah. managing a logo yeah. type. Yeah. It's actually managing the perceptions yes. in the minds of your customers. Yeah, absolutely. Because ultimately that's where your yeah. brand exists. Yeah, exactly. And and it's just, again, I don't want to keep on going on about it, but I found since I've since I've taken this role, and even when I was a client um, um, so, and having multiple network agencies um, work in partnership with us, I don't think I truly understood um, what it what it what brand management meant uh, and the privilege that it was because we so quickly move on to the tactical elements to try and drive a result to look at transactions or every interaction as a transaction rather than an interaction because interaction is where the emotion comes in where the real memorable experiences of a brand happen. Now I'm so glad you raised that that you were actually a client of Burj Farrell mm. and now you are basically running the APAC operation for them. Yeah. That reminds me of, I don't know if you ever remember this, but a guy called Victor Kayam who no, had an ad, and I can remember it so well, he said, this razor's so good, I liked it so much, I bought the company. <laughs> you know, it's like you've bought into the philosophy yeah. of the company when you're a client. Yeah. What was it about working with this agency, this design, brand design yeah. company, yeah. that was so uh, appealing to you that you'd want to be part of that? So I think personally I, I've just been someone that has always been um, fascinated by band, by brands because I've been a consumer of brands and you know so why do I choose one brand over the another you know what is it and what's the psychology behind it what's the human nature behind it and in our when I was a client um, for a, at the time I was the second largest brewer in the world and I was marketing manager on what is now the the top 25 most valuable beer brand in the world I had multiple agencies and Burger Farrell was not the lead agency because then that was a, one of the major network agencies that did that work. But I always found the work to do the exploration to uncover the essence of the brand and the narrative and the positioning and as more energizing um, because it was just, you know, it was really, it was a combination of science and art. It wasn't just making pretty pictures because if you wanted that, it's no problem to hire someone who's a freelancer to, to do that for you. But if you do that, how do you really know that that's going to resonate with who you wanted to resonate with? Because if you hire someone just to be able to um, create a beautiful piece of art, you're really just it's, um, you're appealing to a target market of one, which is yourself, which is like basically marking your homework. And so what is this process? What is this process that is so that's sometimes hidden behind the scenes, but it's so important to the longevity and success of a business and a brand? Now, it's interesting you, for me that you worked in... Uh Brewing alcoholic beverages, you know, because uh, I remember uh, a long time ago working on wine and they said that the wine label is the 
ultimate influencer of which wine someone will buy. When they walk into a liquor outlet and there's all those bottles stacked up there, the label has the biggest impact on customer choice. Yep. Right? Except that there was a shortcoming there because what they overlooked is it is not just the label but the total packaging. The design is not just about the label that gets Mm. stuck on the bottle. It's also the bottle, the closure, the whole feeling that that gives you about the quality, the experience, the emotion of choosing that bottle. Yeah, so I mean, we, so for over almost 20 years now, I think if we had to pin down what our, our real specialism in, in dealing in the brand world is, is really packaging design. And that's obviously where I admit them because they would do a lot of innovation for me um, and then just even maintenance day-to-day stuff and changing our labels and packaging. But what you say is true, you know, so packaging is probably the for many retail brands, in fact, all retail brands, and I know some digital colleagues will, will have a, another view on this, but um, is probably the, the most seen and most high-value touch point for, for your consumers. Mm. Um, and then if you think of a retail environment, you know, you walk into any Coles or Woolies or Dan Murphy's or, or BWS or anything like that, the, the shelves are six or seven high and they're as long as a, as, as a basketball court. You know, and you're faced with a wallpaper of choice, everything in the same category, which is meant to make you it easier for you, but actually it makes it harder because there's so much sameness. Mm. And, so and an overload of choice. Absolutely. It's, it's, in fact, it's overwhelming sometimes. Sometimes you just don't want so much choice. And the packaging, therefore, is in, a, in an art in itself is, well, there's art table stakes to which you need to do to compete in that category. So there are some basics that you need to have. But then the real science comes behind mm. it where you go, okay, well, how do you get differentiation? And it could be ergonomic form, you know, the shape of the bottle yeah. and things like that. It could be secondary packaging, you know, uh, where, the, where the six packs come in and things like that. Mm-hmm. Or, and it certainly is the primary label um, or, or neck or the crown and things like that, where you have this opportunity to differentiate and rather not be uh, playing the sameness space because, you know, that's, that is the visceral, visual manifestation of your brand and, and that it's so important to get it right. So it's interesting there, isn't it? Because the first step is to get noticed, the packaging to get noticed. Mm-hmm. The second step is then to appeal yeah. because, first of all, they notice it and then mm-hmm. there's a almost instantaneous judgment mm-hmm. as, is this reflective of what I feel? Yeah. Is this what I want to project? You know, yeah. Whether you're buying a bottle of wine to drink yeah. or take to someone's house yeah. or whatever, yeah. There's going to be this impact about yeah. how does that reflect on me. This is the emotional consideration. Absolutely. And so in the beer world, um, you get three different types of bottles. So you get a clear bottle. So typically a, a, a clear bottle, you get a brown bottle, which is the most popular one, and, and you get green. a green and a green yeah. one. The brown one is practical. You know, it's because it, it, it prevents the liquid from getting light struck and, and going off. Green, less practical, but it's more premium. So when people purchase subconsciously green bottles because it makes the way it makes them look and makes them feel. And that part is discounted sometimes when when you're putting things on, on the shelf and you're designing a brand solution end to end because you just overlook some of those things. Um, but there, there are pieces that if you think through them clearly, they are critical advantages. And you talk about how you want to get awareness and you want to get... Um, 
you know, repeat business and things like that. But, you know, by being consistent with the application of your brand um, in your labeling and, and all of that also then drives recall and helps consumers validate the choices that they make and quickly navigate to your product in a sea of sameness um, because then, then you know you've done your job. Because you know? ultimately you just want someone to just subconsciously purchase your product because they remember um, the attributes that it, and how it made them feel. Mm. It's interesting as well that um, yeah, the premium brands seem to be particularly good at using design and especially brand design to reflect that premium quality. But it can also be used, and you touched on it a minute ago, to also position something as a middle market or even you know, at a discount level, yep. can't it? Yeah, and, and even um, master brands lending those credentials to you know, sub-brands or variants. Good examples are like Coca-Cola. You know? So you, if you think about it and you close your eyes, you can immediately see red, you can see the ribbon, you can see the typography of the word Coca-Cola, and then it passes that, so it's the master brand, and then it passes on to Coke Zero, Diet Coke. And those elements, that those three elements that I've just mentioned, get passed down to these sub-brands, and it gives it credibility. And so whether it was, you know, if they decided to do, because I know they, they were experimenting um, in, in the alcoholic space, um, that can also then lend clear credibility to these new innovations uh, to help, again, consumers navigate to their product versus so many others because it's so, so well known. Um, and it's so, and from that perspective, people are just, okay, I can immediately trust this brand. Now, there's another thing about packaging, and I don't know if you've caught up with this, but it's, uh, it's, it's a big trend or has been for a while on YouTube. And that's unboxing. And, you know, the, the brand that's considered the master of this is Apple. You know, people actually make videos yes. of having their product delivered in this world of e-commerce. Yes. It gets delivered to mm. you. Mm. And part of the brand experience is actually the unpackaging mm. or the unboxing yeah. of this yep. product. Yep. Is this something that... Uh, you guys get involved in as part of the experience, you know, brand experience? Absolutely. So, I mean, when I think of Apple, you know, you think of the clean design, you think of minimalist, um, and there's certain colors that, that play it out. But the, the biggest thing for me with an Apple product is when they, you, it's an iPhone or an iPad or a Mac, when you lift the lid, it almost feels like a vacuum. Mm. It almost feels like, like it's oh, a space. Exactly. And it's like it's a space design, something designed space, and it's high tech and, and it's, it's a beautiful experience. So yes, we consider all aspects. We consider, um, and, and again, it's not just physical form, but it's like using all of your auditory senses as well. And how does that play out? And, and a big key obviously these days is besides that is, is sustainability. You know? So in packaging world, uh, you know, people want to have leave zero footprints. You know, they want to be sustainable. And so what is the impact on packaging? Um, the challenges that that poses for designers or particularly printers is that typically the products that we have these days that are biodegradable, recyclable, don't really take well to the current inks that are out there. So that you lose real estate um, for to get your messaging out or your brand messaging. But that will come with time. We, we've got some partners that we're busy doing some exploration with. So um, certainly something that we, we consider. It's interesting as well because you mentioned sensory, you know, and we have sight, we have touch, the way packaging feels. 
But uh, we also have uh, smell mm. and hearing. Mm. And, you know, we've seen a big trend towards uh, audio mm. as a part of branding. Mm. Is that part of the consideration as well? Yeah. So we, we've also, in the past, when we've done uh, new product development, we've considered... Um, We've had we've so we do a lot of uh, point of sale and uh, external activation sales because that's all part of design as the product hits the market, um, and we've had a couple of activations which use sound um, to to play back key brand messages. Um, I don't I'm not sure if I'm if I can go through all of it, but particularly was um, it was a quite a successful activation that we did in South Africa with a well known beer brand where we we used the the ability to. <laughs> it's, it sounds a little bit weird, but uh, to open different parts or different cans at, at certain times, um, and then it played a tune, um, and then it played back brand messages, and it became such a well-known jingle uh, amongst people, even though we never gave it a name. Um, but because of that, it was just so catchy. Yeah, and It's amazing, isn't it, the v- various triggers that you can actually make someone you know make someone's mind trigger so certain sounds yeah yep. the uh the intel inside yep. yeah the, yep. the, uh, or the, the windows uh, yeah, windows, windows uh, yeah. you know different sounds uh, in fact i even noticed that uh, the other day on the radio you know that uh, sort of chatter that started with the old dial-up internet. Yes, they played yeah. that, and it was like yeah. a, a whole sense of frustration. Yeah, yeah came back exactly. To That's not uh, what I want to hear anymore. <laughs> I, was like, I remember that. Not a days. good brand. No, experience. no, it wasn't. And and so you talk about using all your senses. I mean, that's just all part of how we build brand recall. You know, um, how we build the memories and building some stickiness in the minds of the customers where the brand lives to associate. Um, our brands or the brands that we work with, um, with a sound, a sight, a color, a touch, a feel, um, and to build those emotional connections. And it's key. Uh, it's, it's fundamental. It's, um, it's um, interesting <clears throat> how broad and deep this brand design goes mm. because, you know, I think a lot of people are sitting there thinking, oh, gee, I thought it was just, you know, mm come up with a logo, mm. define the colorways, mm. what are the fonts. Mm. You know, we've all seen those mm. brand guidelines yeah. that are about yep. six, six to eight pages. Yeah, yeah. And so I think, you know, so in in reviewing some of my notes for the session, uh, I looked at the American Marketing Association's definition of brand and the even the Oxford Dictionary's definition of brand. And their definition is it's the name, the mark, the symbol, the term to describe and differentiate a product or service from another. So immediately it goes to the physical. And that's not, that's not the sum total of what brand is. And that's probably a definition in my term, uh, in my words, of branding, which is the physical aspect of bringing a brand to life. And so already if you've, if you've got these influential institutions or bodies that are describing it in this way, then you know, you're creating this, you're relegating the, the art and science of brand to something which is... is is simplistic and it's not complex, but it, they are, there is definitely an art and, and science to, to the process. Well, it did originally come from the idea of branding. Yeah, branding. Your yeah. brand onto something. Yes. Yeah. So it was a very physical thing, but yeah. I think the, the sort of more psychological and scientific approach mm. that people take yeah. uh, means that it's gone way beyond yeah. physical in fact most of the ways of triggering yeah. a response to a brand yeah. are more than just creating a, a logo 
Yeah, and uh, and I think you know if the, the, our two founding partners, uh, Steve Berger and Paul Farrell, will always say that they're always very fascinated by human nature, um, and and what drives people, what makes people tick, because it has an influence in the brand world, which is more emotion um, and feelings driven. And so, why do make people make the choices that they do? You know, and how does that factor in into your designs? You know, and and when you look at something, sometimes you can't always describe, you know, why you like something, but you can always describe a feeling that it gives you. You mm. know, um, and and that's at the heart of it. That's the anchor of what drives a great design. John, one of the things is that there's a lot of people in the sort of uh, marketing <coughs> ecosystem that say they're brand strategists or you know, and and advertising, for instance, yeah. you know, advertising agencies talk about brand strategy all mm. the time. Mm. Um, how does uh, brand design and the more traditional advertising agency brand strategy sit side by side? So I think brand design, which is, again, so this is, so my context is the brand design or the design of a brand comes from a brand strategy, so it's always strategically driven. It, the analogy I use there is, is that's foundational. You know, that's the piece. You wouldn't build a house by starting by building the walls and the roof and things like that. You'll make sure that the, the foundational slab, concrete and the steelwork is all in place before you put up the walls and the and the doors and things like that. And so the foundational work is what I describe as brand strategy. That is the foundation of which marketing strategies and advertising strategies and PR and experiential then springboard off because then you've got an idea of who you're talking to. You've got an idea of who, how you need to talk to. There's an element of consistency, which again is the most important thing to build a strong brand. And then that is where you put up the walls and, and things like that. So they complement each other. And, and I don't necessarily want to say it's a continuum of, you know, brand comes first, brand strategy comes first, and then everything else follows. But they are certainly part of the same ecosystem, but they are separate and distinct. And they, they exist to complement and help each other be drive the total recall and emotional connection to your customer. What about the idea that uh, advertising, for instance, mm -hmm. as an expression of brand is about storytelling? Yeah. What component of brand design is storytelling? I think a large portion of it is, is storytelling. I think, I don't think you can tell, uh, you can do marketing advertising without knowing what your brand story is. And I think then advertising has a has a particularly fortunate role to play, I think, because it can tell that story in many different forms because of the different types of media that, that it can impact or that it has access to. And then through those variations, there is a consistent, a golden thread about the original brand story, the the, the founding brand story that must run through all of them. And, and so, yeah, there'll be many different iterations over the years, but there will be a level of consistency. Okay, so we're seeing a trend of going beyond the story now to the customer experience, and we're talking about the customer journey. That would seem to me, from what you've been saying, that brand design is part of designing the customer experience. Absolutely. Because it's the way they interact and feel about the brand in that interaction. Yep. yep, and so more and more we're doing design work also in the digital world. So previously it would always be we'll have digital assets, but what that means is we have a logo that you can, you know, email. You'll have a PDF that you can file. But now, the digital world, which is not uh, either or to to the traditional 
you know, physical the retail real world. world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, it's, I suppose you could say that. But it's it's more an and. And, and I, cert- I certainly think what we've, we're experiencing now, the world over, has accelerated consumers and customers towards that space, so the e-commerce space, and being more online, um, you know, being in a more always-on environment and, and wanting things immediate, you know. So now our design also now moves into that space. So how do the customer journeys um how do we how do we write them? How do you, how do how do they make sure there's consistency in that journey? And then every step along the way, how do we make sure that it's again consistent in what we want this brand to represent and the story that it needs to tell? So looking back to your time as a brand manager or a marketing manager, and you're there with your products, I mean, it must be incredibly eye-opening and, and you know, mind-expanding to realise that there are so many other ways of communicating mm. other than advertising and storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. So I think so. one of the biggest lessons that I learned um, while working for this, this brewer is there is also the power of your physical touch point in actually speaking to customers. So I'll give you an example. I, so I previously worked for a big four bank in South Africa. Um, where it was the number of staff in the back end, in the administrative functions, outnumbered the front end, the client, the, the staff facing clients, by probably a number of like seven or eight to one. And if you think about it, it's kind of a little bit grotesque because the most important people should really be the ones that you are the front that, line. The, that are speaking. And everybody wanted to be in the back end because, unfortunately, it's also where the salaries that were and, and the bonuses were. And then fast forward to to when I moved into um, this FMCG brewer, um, beer brewer, and it was, you know, everybody, didn't matter who you were, you got to speak to customers. You went out on, on visits into the market to experience consumers, so people who were drinking, and also people who were selling. And it's not like we had to give everybody a hymn sheet that everyone needed to sing off. They knew it. They understood what the values and the represent of all the brands were, or even the company brand was about. And that talks to the power of actually, you know, getting employees also on board so that, you know, they are an additional, probably more powerful because people want to buy things from other people. They want to buy things from people that they trust, that have experienced it, real humans almost. And that that was the biggest eye-opener for me in terms of advocacy and actually having a brand that everybody is around. Mm. And you didn't actually need to have, you know, chest-beating sessions and, you know, light the... The fires. What it actually says is that everyone is aligned to the brand and the brand is aligned to the culture of the organisation. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I've seen the same thing in services industries, such as you know, financial services and telcos, that the more senior and experienced and influential someone becomes, the further away they yeah. move from the customer. Yeah. The very thing that yeah. you should be yeah. putting your best people. And again, you know, it was led by, it was driven by leadership. You know, so our MD and our the executive leadership team would lead the charge, so to speak. You know, of course, it, it changes the dynamics when they go out and meet customers or meet you if you're in with your most valued customers. But all the same, the intention was not to just to check up on things and make things so fine. It's just to make sure that customers knew that they were valued and that they understood that everybody lives the values of the organization 
Um, and again, it's another another aspect of brand building that sometimes people overlook because we always just look outwards towards our customers. But internally, we need advocacy as well. We need everybody to be on the same page. Now, some of the most successful brand designs happen to sit in the fashion industry. You know, whether it's because the fashion designers really appreciate design, but it's interesting how so many fashion labels have been built by having great brand design mm. that in, uh, infiltrates every aspect mm. from the actual, you know, designs on the runway mm. to the way it's packaged, mm. to the packaging, mm. to the store experience mm. and all mm. those things. Mm. What do you think it is about those? And, and upmarket fashions do it really well. Yeah. What yeah. is it? Yeah, so I mean, I obviously a media example is is Nike or Nike. You know, um, starting out as a, a functional sports brand, um, and then through many years of being really good at what it does and being consistent at what it does, it's it's been able to skip through other genres. You know, and 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 I'm, what I mean is aspects of your lifestyle. So you can wear, you don't have to feel uncomfortable wearing a product to, you know, and, and maybe an informal gathering or something like that, or when you go out to the club maybe or something like that. And again, it's because it's it's the importance of that mark, you know, that, that what that brand represents, you know, in the minds. And it gives you credibility that, you know, I'm, I'm wearing something that is meant to be a functional item, but actually I'm here and I'm not in a functional environment. And But this means that, you know, I, I like premium things because it is premium. Um, and again, many being consistently and designing their, their experiences, even to concept stores, you know, where if you look at the, the store layout and there's not a 100,000 items and ranges in there, there are a couple of choice items. Um, and typically they're always the newer items. And, and if you want to get more popular items, you'll jump on the internet or whatever and go shop in the online store. But that experience itself of the physical store is also a premium. And there's a consistency all the way through that. Yeah. Your experience, your perception, yeah. everything about it is consistent. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And again, I don't want to harp on about it, but that's... Uh... And yet this is available to any type of brand. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was thinking of uh, Chanel. Yeah. You know, whether it... And, and in fact, the brand is so powerful mm. that just a photo of the product yeah. becomes the advertising. Yeah. The and, and then the brand extensions, you yeah, know, it's yeah. from perfume yeah. to fashions yeah. to to uh, accessories, mm. you know, to lipsticks. Mm. Yeah. It just con uh, extends yeah. across so many things. And that consistency allows you to build trust in the minds of your customer. That trust allows you then to be perceived as a premium product. And that premium product credential means you can charge more um, and so become more more, more valuable and you can you can really then corner your part of the market because you've been right at the beginning consistent in the way in which you've applied your, your understanding of the brand. And the reason I bring that up is that, you know, we've been living in a world of high consumption mm -hmm. and it seems to me that the future for marketers is how to increase the value of products, not the volume, that the future of business is going to be about uh, producing brands that enrich people's lives yeah. and their, their perception of the value that yeah. it delivers to them. Yeah. So that growth comes from not 
selling millions of things mm. made cheaply, yep. but selling less at a much better margin. Yep. And, and I think you're right. I, I totally agree with that because I think the future is about shared value. You know, so value for brand, value for you, value for the communities in which you are in, the value of your community, value for the environment. And I think too often, I think we, we're very quick or have been too quick to perceive value as a monetary thing, where actually value goes beyond that. It Value can also be in the benefits you receive that you cannot quantify. And so those are experiences in my mind, you know, and, and how do you cultivate those experiences if you don't know who your brand is and what it represents? Well, um, uh, uh, my cousin explained to me a long time ago that in economics there's a term called a util. Do you know what a util no, is? I don't think I've heard it's it. a measure of pleasure derived for money spent. Oh, right. And I love it because okay. it actually gives an economic measure mm. to a lot of what we're dealing with, mm. with the management of brands. Yep. You know, that there is a sense of satisfaction, a sense of fulfilment, mm. that we create a pleasurable experience mm. for our customers yeah. in participating in the brand. Yes. And yet we can still link that back to a economic mm. term mm. called a util. Mm. I guess the trick is, because there's also an economic term which says, you know, there's a marginal returns on utility, which means, you know, utility goes up, but then it starts to go down eventually. Um, and then the trick is obviously going to be how do you keep it on that trajectory um, going up? Um, and is that where you, you think about brand refreshes? Is that where you think about line extensions? Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, it's yeah. called innovation. Yeah, a, yes, <laughs> exactly. It's the other it's side the of marketing. Yeah. Marketing yeah. and innovation. Yeah, absolutely. Wasn't it Peter Drucker said they're the two things that actually drive value in a business? Yeah. Everything else is a cost. Yes, yeah, absolutely. If absolutely. only more businesses yeah. would actually understand yeah. that. Yes, yeah. It's a lost science (laughs) (laughs) or ignored science. So So from your perspective, what would be the ideal client to walk through the door tomorrow? Mm. What what do clients need to understand, need, want or desire Mm. to really get the full benefit Mm. of a brand design? Yep. So I I think... um, you know, so whether or not you, you're able to distinguish the difference between brand or marketing is, is irrelevant. I think what we what we really the best clients are the ones that have full trust in us in the process and also the ones that are getting involved um, in, in the creative process with us. You know, very often clients go, but we're not creative, that's why we've hired you. Uh, we're not brand experts, that's why we hire you. But actually you are the brand in, in an SME. You you are the person that we're trying to interrogate. We in that discovery process where we go, let me unpack everything of as to why you've created this business and then lay it all out and then simplify it into its simplest form and then go from there and build it out from there. And we want those clients that that really or the best clients really are those that that wanna that wanna come on with us with to, on this journey uh, of discovery because really it's it's them it's their child it's it's something that they've they've envisaged. So the way you've expressed that is it's almost like a distillation of purpose, isn't mm. it? Yes, it's exactly that. It's exploring every single corner of your mind as, and your vision as to why you've created this and then bring it down and simplifying it into a key one or two statements that is simple enough but also complex enough to be able to 
launch this brand into the stratosphere. John, uh, this has been a terrific uh, conversation, but I've just noticed we've run out of time. Um, before we go, I'm just interested, for you personally, which would be the brand that you think best epitomises great brand design? Thank you.